1: Welcome to Adventist Voices, Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm joined by a good friend, a Pacific Union College visual arts graduate and the senior digital designer at Parker White, a marketing agency in Southern California, Amador Joko. It's great to be talking with you today.
0: It's great to be talking with you Alex. How are you
1: today? I'm doing well. Um sure. Today we're talking about your involvement with a film called The Right Girls, a documentary directed by Timothy Wolfer, who is a friend of Spectrum who has done projects with us focused on women's ordination and also a short film uh, memorializing Roy Branson's contributions to Adventism, and uh, you are involved with him in a really interesting role with this documentary as th- a co-producer. And this film is in over a dozen festivals, so congratulations! One Thank thing, you.
0: it's exciting.
1: Yeah, so. W- I know that you've worked with Tim Wolfer in the past, and this has sort of stepped up your connection. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like to get the call, hey, Tim uh, wants to work with you again, um, and then to take this to another level? What about the project, the film, what you saw early on really captured your uh, interest?
0: Yeah. So it's funny you say that when usually Tim gives me the call when we work on a project together. But this time around, he had posted on Facebook, social media, he was flying down to Mexico or at least to Central America uh, to film the, the, the caravan that was coming up in 2018. And I actually called him and goes, hey, Tim, I know you're doing some great things. So whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. Let's do it. And with our previous film Adopting Haiti back, uh, I guess, uh, 10 years ago now, um, I had just done the graphics for that. So it was a my assumption that I means so and we will get to work together again. I'll get to do some subtitles. I'll make some graphics for the film. If I'm lucky, I'll get to do the poster uh, for the film as well. And we I mean, kept in good contact as he was just going through that journey and texting each other, um, tracking the project kind of day by day, if not month by month at this point. And then there was a point in the project where uh, the tech stopped coming, I guess, or the updates started slowing down, and Tim was kind of stuck in this rut. And it wasn't until he had sent me the first cut of the film, and some context, me and Tim were used to working on stories about immigration, right? People leaving like their homes, leaving their home country, and coming to America or going to a new place to bury their lives. And what he had found was a story of three transgendered women were part of this caravan. And at this time, we're about the middle of this Trump administration where basically anything you say and do is highly inflammatory, no matter what platform you say or, or or rather no matter what platform you use or present it on. And that's when I started really turning in my mind that we realized that this story, this narrative that Tim had documented was way bigger than us. <laughs> In a way, uh, to have the responsibility of three transgendered women um, going through this caravan of me and Tim are both cisgendered male. I am a cisgendered uh, male gay, uh, part of the gay community. Uh, But we knew that this wasn't part of our narrative. Right. And something that really struck with me was. We need to reach out to people. And yes, we had done some graphics up to this point. Yes, we've done some subtitles, Um, but I knew that we needed more voices on the team that we had. We've had maybe four or five people um, of some various backgrounds, but I knew that we needed to one, be sensitive to the subject and to be um, honoring these women's stories to present this in such a way that this wasn't going to be weaponized in any way, shape or form, which I think a lot of information online is weaponized even up to the state, 2020. And three, to kind of use this tool as a way to educate people uh, and to kind of bring, not to kind of bring, to, to make people realize that we're dealing with human lives in this story. And part of that was reaching out into my network. I had done some advocacy work through Pacific Union College through the Gay and Straight People group, which is GASP, and utilizing those connections. So we had brought in, or rather I contacted the University of Maryland um, I have brought in Leslie Foster. I brought in um, an artist named Willow from Los Angeles and just bring these diverse voices to the film to kind of act as a sounding board to let us know where should we take this story. Great. And surely enough, yeah.
1: You know, it sounds like you're bringing together a bunch of different folks to get input on this. Um, And you're assuming a new role, it seems like, as somebody who is trying to... Leverage the power of this story, but also protect um, everyone from screwing it up. So, what was that journey like?
0: It was a very interesting one. Even though I had some connections from my past, to find voices who would be specific to talk to this story was a challenge. And, you know, through a lot of prayer and meditation and reaching out i i felt very lucky i think it was i one of my connections through the baltimore the university of baltimore maryland or rather university of maryland was through actually my personal trainer and i had spoken about this document and i just figured out i don't know who would help us with this and he gave me an email I'm like great you have contact let's go through this and also googling a lot of Google spreadsheets and online, but even the internet at some point stopped helping you. But the more I spoke about it into the people in my life, the more you start to realize how close the people are. And soon enough, we had been put in touch with the LGBT Center up in Los Angeles. We had connected with the LGBT Center here in San Diego. Um, I had reached out to a center over in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I guess just by actually putting your foot on the ground and actually talking to people making those human human connections was probably the best way to define people and i consider myself lucky because there was i didn't have a strategy because there's no way to kind of signal a bad signal in the sky and have people come to you but i ended up asking the right people and just really lucking out with everyone who I contributed to the film Uh, especially when it came to specific skill sets with project management and like bringing in shelby pruitt and then knowing that we needed a distribution channel and then uh, being incredibly lucky and fortunate to know graham sheldon who's a producer who lives in san diego but works in los angeles um and yeah and to know also people who are really involved in the community much more than i am like leslie foster and willow up in hollywood and los angeles too yeah,
1: so um, let's talk about the design because um, I've known you uh, since you were a student, and um, I've always appreciated the thoughtfulness that you bring to the visual. And uh, right now, I'm looking at the poster, the right girls, and it's got. Um, you're looking at the back of some folks' head. They're moving towards uh, an image that looks both like um, the, um, the wall, which is not really a wall. It's these kind of long metal uh, pillars connected as a kind of fence. And mm-hmm. you have turned it into something that kind of looks like the American flag as well with barbed wire across the top. Um, and there's a little bit of lighting there, like they're moving towards uh, the light. In a way, um, how did you come up with this uh, idea that's so powerful in expressing the story of the film?
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely quite the process. This was not the first poster I presented, or rather, this was not the first choice. And this was this took a lot of sketching by hand. And I knew I wanted to capture a certain emotion and. For me to realize what that emotion was, it just took a lot of sitting down and listening internally and then also um, just going back at what really inspires me. So for me, when I think about this experience, so just looking at the rough of film, I knew that they wanted to go to a place where dreams come true. We knew there was a daunting journey and then we knew that this is a very, frankly, a very scary thing to go through. Um, but to capture that all in one image is just incredibly scary, but as a designer, it's what I live for, so we, we took it on. One thing I came back to was when I was watching The Wizard of Oz, after they had left that field of poppies down the Yellow Brick Road, and then that first glance at the emerald city
1: yeah so um, good. do you remember that scene yeah
0: um, that very very iconic scene like i think if you just google wizard of oz that's as well the first two that show up and you have dorothy and her gang who are trying to bury their lives and moving towards this beautiful amazing place that everyone has such great things to talk about but something really struck me especially watching that scene as a kid was like how incredibly impressive that structure was incredibly um, mysterious that was, and also just the magnitude of what they're about to enter into. And this is why we're kind of presented from this perspective of, not only do we see the three girls in front of us, but we also have the lens perspective of, you know, you are now Tim Wolford who is documenting their journey uh, moving towards this great monolith in a way. Um, a really nice detail to kind of underline this is the U.S. border. We have the U.S. border kind of providing the the horizon line that creates that composition. Uh, but also, if you were to watch the film towards the end, you'll see just how incredibly tall and daunting these borders feel and the fact that these borders basically alter your perspective of what America is. And your first introduction to your dream, your first introduction to your promised land, the first introduction to all the possibilities of a better life are these cold bars of steel that are many, many seats tall, many stories, many stories tall. And I just kind of took it from there and going back and forth with the producers, going back and forth with the team, um, we sell this composition and wanting to bring in some sort of flag in there. I knew that we wanted to really underline this is what America looks like for a lot of people who are currently at the border right now going through this process. And seeing this amazing country you've heard about, your entire life, only do you have it kind of flipped on its side as the daunting, daunting um, mountain you have to climb just to even have a peek at what's on the other side. Um, that's, hopefully, that's, that's all making sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You definitely get that feeling of this sort of being on a journey and then um, being greeted by um, the American flag that also looks like a barrier. So, uh, congratulations yeah. on I'm sure lots of um, late nights coming up with this um you know oh, this is yeah. uh, an in, this the story is such a classic story that has connections of course to Christians who talk about being pilgrims to the Old Testament where you have Israelites journeying on a journey the American history uh, uh story is um, one of immigrants, of course, taking over lands that were already settled by indigenous peoples, but mm-hmm. it's um, one that Adventism is also a part of. And I would love for you to just um, tell me a little bit about what this project meant to you personally. As someone who grew up with these stories, do you have um, immigration stories that are important in your family's history?
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness! Actually, so many immigrant stories. Um, my father is one child of thirteen, and my mom is one child of eight. Wow! So that's we a have lot lot of, total that's a lot over- of aunts and uncles. It's a lot of aunties and uncles. So when people say, "Oh, everyone's an auntie and uncle in the Philippines," I'm like, "Well, tell you what." Uh, (laughs) uh, So there's like 21 immigration stories there, Uh, but probably my favorite one—not my favorite, the one that really defines that moment—is my grandmother's story, who I, I don't remember what age she came over, but basically in the Philippines there was an upset with the government. And she had taken upon herself to make a better life for her family. And at the time, uh, I'm not an expert in immigration issues in terms of like the paperwork and the red tape, but she sought to establish a life for herself here in America. And her story starts with renting out, with actually purchasing a duplex in South Central LA, a duplex, and rented out two of the homes. And she lived in the garage of the duplex Wow. so she could maximize the earning potential of that of that home and mind you not everyone has the capital to do that the fact that she left her family of eight children to come over here i i can't imagine i can't imagine leaving my cat at home for more than two days <laughs> so <laughs> um that's probably one of the more impactful stories that makes that really puts things in perspective for me and makes me grateful and makes me um, excited. And she was actually the first one that turned into, that was converted to Adventism through finding a community here in Los Angeles or there in Los Angeles, and finding that she had such a great support group in America that was culturally aligned with her and also provided her with a spiritual need that she was needing, especially when she's away from her family and by the time one of my uncles had flown over um, to begin that process of immigrating the family from the Philippines, um, as they came to America, each one found the Adventist community, uh, found a sense of home within this church, and slowly you have an entire family that's historically Catholic convert into a very Adventist lifestyle. Uh, so you can imagine as a child growing up, with both Catholic and Adventist values and skills <laughs> in yourself. Because uh, I remember, and this is totally a total sidebar, but uh, yeah, Sabbath days, keep it holy. Um, don't do this, don't do that. That's great. But just in case, we'll do it on Sunday too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you were a um, so very yeah.
1: holy child, I, I, I'm I'm assuming.
0: Oh, yeah, I got Catholic names. I've been baptized like two or three times. Um, <laughs> I went to, uh, I, I remember that the, the family wanted to keep it as so much. And even though there wasn't an academy that was immediately there for me, um, they still wanted someone who kept the Sabbath. They sent me to a Muslim Montessori school. Wow. Because they provided kosher menu for the kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they, they really made it work in yeah. some way, shape, or form.
1: That's such a great um, story of, of really what it means to grow up in America increasingly is to experience a sort of syncretistic mix of different religious traditions and, um, you know, you if I remember, you did um, some murals at San Gabriel Academy. Uh, so uh, even as a, folks were recognizing your talents you're feeling good but also trying to figure out you know who you are um, or who you were and who you wanted to be and what your values would be both drawing from your family tradition but also making them your own Um, can you describe a little bit was there like a point where you were like you know I'm not just going to you know create beautiful art and make a paycheck but you know I also want to do things that make a difference in the world
0: yeah for sure I it's hard to say when that changed because I had always felt that I needed to belong to something bigger I had always needed to contribute to something bigger and this is something I bring into my own company culture to something I say to my boss it's, it's never about the money it's about making a better difference in people's lives. And for me, um, with San Gabriel Academy making those murals, I knew that, yeah, I'm contributing these talents and yeah, I'm making this, but this is going to be part of something so much bigger. And these murals are going to last years and years and just to know that this is something not like a brochure that will just be printed and thrown away, but also this is part of kind of a bigger legacy that people can just take and utilize it for a better good in a way. This is part of the reason why I entered into particularly uh, medical and lifestyle branding and marketing is because, yeah, I worked on Lord of the Rings and yeah, I worked on Mad Max, but that wasn't feeding me in the way that I wanted to be fed. I wanted to be part of projects that were just bettering people's lives and make people happy and not just be another pretty thing that was just serving my own self-happiness in a way. So those, those projects are easy, making myself happy at home and creating and designing for the sake of designing, that's, that's fine. But the real part that I feel like I'm both fed financially and spiritually, um, and mentally is, did I make the world a better place by, by doing this or by making it?
1: That's great. And
0: I guess, yeah, I think that's how we justify, uh, the late nights we put into this documentary um, that justifies going through endless rounds of this poster just to make sure it was right because knowing that, all right, if I'm going to put something out into the world that's going to last potentially longer than me, let's let's get it right. And that's going to be worth investment because that's beyond any type of capital I could think of.
1: Now, um, folks don't have to travel to... Uh, New York to watch this at a uh, couple of film festivals that it's uh, at. There, they can actually watch this coming up soon because it will be on Apple Plus streaming. Is that uh, correct?
0: Yeah, you can actually find this documentary a few different places, and we're getting more platforms on a week by week basis. Right now, you can find this on iTunes. You can rent it by iTunes. You can find this documentary through Google Play. We're also available by streaming on Amazon or even purchasing a DVD hardcover on Amazon. And you'll see the full key art uh, on Amazon specifically too. But um, basically, wherever you think of streaming, it will still be there.
1: That's great. All right. Well, my final question for you, it's been really fun talking with you, um, is that I am curious what is uh, what your kind of hope for this film is. It's uh, a project that you were involved with at a new level, um, you've brought in a lot of your own personal values to it and, um, can, you know, why, why does this project, uh, matter and why should folks, uh, check it out and maybe rethink, uh, the world?
0: Yeah, I guess my hope for people to take takeaway is what it did for me was that it took, Everything that I've seen on Facebook, everything I've seen on news websites, everything I've seen on statistical charts, and it reminded me that these are people that we're talking about. These are people's lives, and they come with all of the beauty of their perfections. They come with all the beauty of their imperfections. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's these are, these are human beings. It's, it's a very simple statement just to say out loud, but when you're living in a life through a social media channel, uh, when you're living in life behind both a physical mask, which you are now, or through the mask of your keyboard, it's really important for people to know that this is a life or death situation. And we we need to realize that. Yeah. And, you know, I could say that So the cows come home, but it's, it's documentaries and stories like these that really wake people up and especially now we've been sleeping for so long it's it's just it's time to to see things for what they really are I think Tim did an amazing amazing job uh, presenting a story that I felt is true that is authentic and most importantly allows you to think for yourself and gives you the space to to self-identify with how you stand with things and I and I hope that people take more time to do that about any subject that they come across.
1: Well said. Um, As uh, your former teacher, um, (laughs) I am so proud of everything that you've achieved and and the way that you're going about your work. So thank you so much for what you do, and thanks for talking with me today.
0: Oh, thank you, Alex. I learned from the best. (laughs) 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 That's right.